Welcome to this week's episode of Off the Shelf, everyone. We are back and our guest this week is Liam Bell, who is author of Man at Sea, which is from Fly on the Wall Press, which I believe is an independent publisher, which, as you know, we love on Off the Shelf, as well as his two pre... So Fly on the Wall have also published his two previous novels, So It Is and The Busker. As you can tell from his accent when he starts to speak, he was born in Orkney and grew up in Glasgow, but now lives in Stirling with his wife and two daughters. And he also teaches at the University of Stirling. So welcome to the show, Liam. Hello, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. So what do you teach? Um, I teach creative writing, um, actually. So uh, mostly... no one. <laughs> um, yeah, so try, try to practice what I preach kind of thing. Um, yeah, most mostly prose, uh, little bits of of poetry and script writing as well but but mostly fiction yeah that's so interesting do you is there a book that you would recommend to anyone listening who wants to read a book about writing if that makes sense because I have some that people have recommended to me but I think um, you have to find the one that works for you totally yeah no I think um well I might actually mention it later when you ask me for for my five books um, well but the we, can, one... we can come on to it we don't want to give spoilers too early yeah but I think I think there are lots of really good books on craft the one uh, the one that isn't in my five books that I would tend to recommend for folk just kind of starting out with writing is is David Lodge's uh, The Art of Fiction um, just because it's very very accessible and um, I, I think he writes with great kind of um, yeah humour almost um, so it's really easy to to digest and he talks about every aspect of writing fiction as well. Ah, okay, great. I'll add that one to my list. So rewinding it back, you this is your third novel you've got coming out. Yep. Have you always written? Were you one of those kids that was always writing or was it something you came to when you were slightly older? Uh, yeah, good question. I think I think I was always writing probably as, as a kind of teenager, um, I would have said. But I don't think I took it seriously until I was maybe uh, kind of 18-ish and, mm. and leaving school and, and going to university. Um, and at that time, I, I was really, really fortunate. I got a, a short story published in New Writing Scotland, which is like an anthology publication that comes out um, up here. And uh, that really kind of added fuel to the fire, if you like. And, and also just gave me a great kind of uh, shot of confidence in that I mm. kind of thought, well, actually... Yeah, maybe maybe these stories can go somewhere. Um, so yeah, from about eighteen, I I took it I took it seriously, if you like. But I was definitely writing before that. Do you ever look back at old things you've written and think, especially? So I do it now. I look back at stuff I wrote as a teenager, and I think, God, I was so melodramatic. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> I'm tempted to say stuff I wrote like two years ago, but yeah, no, I, I think absolutely. Um, it, it's yeah, looking back at those kind of old handwritten drafts from from teenage years yeah um but I think the other thing that it's really interesting looking back at that I mean there's tons of like kind of craft based stuff that that you don't you you're aware that like as a teenager you just didn't have and you weren't able Mm. to to kind of write it in the way that you wanted to you couldn't execute it in the way that that you wanted to but the one thing that I think is always really useful and interesting looking back at teenage stuff is like quite often it's full of like energy and voice and um you know you can tell that you know if if you can tell that the person has uh, well if you can tell that previous you has like enjoyed writing it that's quite yeah I see that yeah um so that can provide 
for me a little bit of kind of uh, yeah, a bit of a kind of shot in the arm as you know, if that if fourteen year old me could enjoy writing, then maybe maybe thirty seven year old me should enjoy writing too. Well, my next question is going to be so showing both of our ages here, we are of an age where when we were younger, word processing wasn't it was a thing, but not not really, not really. Yep. So do you did you ha- obviously you ham wrote then? Do you ham right now, or do you succumb to the typing? Uh, <laughs> succumb to the typing. I, I like it. Um, no, I. I handwrite, um, so each of the, my three books I have handwritten and then typed. Um, so I would tend to handwrite a chapter and then type it um, kind of almost immediately. And that would be that would be what I'd consider my first draft. So it's like kind of almost a draft and a half, if you see what I mean. Um, and when you, when you type, is that, are you faithful to what you've handwritten or as you go, are you self-editing and like correcting things? Totally self-editing. Mm-hmm. Um, can't stop myself um but I find I find that really useful in so much as I I handwrite quite fast um and so typing slows me down a bit and makes me just think about at the level of the sentence the the phrasing so yeah I find that really useful as a first edit to be honest okay interesting that is really interesting. So this is your third novel you've got coming out and I always ask people when they come on the show just to really hammer the point home that publishing is a slow beast. So if you could walk us through your time frame of when did you have the idea? When did you start writing? When did you get the book deal? When did you publish? Yeah. Um, well, like you say, it's a, it's a very slow beast. So the first two um, weren't, weren't actually fly on the wall press. They were Myriad Editions down in, in Brighton um, who published the first two. So the first one, so it is, came out in 2012. Uh, and then The Busker came out in 2014. Um, so there's been an eight-year gap between book two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of that was a was like research and writing, and the fact that we've had two kids in between. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a big part of that was just like was life and how long yeah. it takes to write. But there was also a big part of it that was um, rejection and going through the publication mm-hmm. cycle. Um, and going through multiple drafts to get it to the version that was then published. Um, So it's been, and actually, even in that eight-year period, I actually set it to one side, uh, Man at Sea set it to one side for probably about 18 months um, and wrote something else um, and then kind of came back to it. So that book now, which I wrote in between, is hopefully going to be my fourth but it's now out on submission um so I always kind of say that I I kind of like to think of it as having lots of irons in the fire Mm. um and I think that's kind of the only way to approach publishing now really is have lots of lots of irons in the fire lots of things that you're pursuing because if you're just sitting waiting for for publishers or agents or whatever it's going to be waiting a while you're going to be waiting a long time yeah I mean, I think this question might be, you know, asking you to choose a favourite child, but of your four books you've written, do you have a favourite? Um, um, I, I mean, yeah, recency bias would would say <laughs> would say man at sea. Um, I mean, I've got obviously got a lot of affection for all of them. I think um, so it is because it was my first. I've got a lot of a lot of affection for, um, but man at sea, I think is a. And this might sound a wee bit odd, but it's the first I've written whilst having my kids. 
Um, okay. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so I think it, it possibly has a slightly different, don't know, tone, worldview, whatever. So I think um, I think it's my favourite because it's it's most true. Not that it's in any way autobiographical; it's historical fiction. Um, but it's the most true to who I am now. Um, if that doesn't sound too no, I think that makes perfect sense. I'm of an age where my friends are, are just starting having kids, and yeah, it, it changes your life. And there's, there's a, that makes it makes perfect sense that it would. So it does. I know exactly what you mean. Oh, well, I wasn't expecting you to pick a favourite. Normally when I ask that question, people oh, no, I couldn't possibly pick a favourite. So I'm very glad I did, I've got a definitive answer. I mentioned them all. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's very hard for your most recent not to be your favourite in a lot of ways. Um, but yeah, I I, uh, I think the book, the books that I write now are, are very different from the book, uh, books that I wrote 10 years ago. Um, so, so yeah, I think... Although it's recency bias, probably Manatsi. Probably that one. Wow. On that cliff, on that bombshell even, we're going to have to move on to the five books that you've chosen. So please tell us about the first book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. So the first book I went for was uh, A Good Man in Africa by William Boyd. I don't know if you've come across Never heard of it. Never heard of the author either. Uh, Yeah, so William Boyd is is a really good, really good author. Um, And a Glasgow connection as well but A Good Man in Africa is about a character uh, who's attached to an embassy in Africa North Africa Um, and he's kind of always trying to do the right thing but constantly kind of in chaos and falling into into kind of farcical situations and getting himself in scrapes Um, and yes so it's a very funny book but it's also it's probably the first book that I read. I think I read it when I was like 13 or 14. And it's the first book that I read that I remember thinking, this is an adult book. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't mean, I don't mean necessarily in terms of sex scenes, although there, there definitely are some sex scenes. But <laughs> I, I think more like, I'd read quite a lot of crime fiction because my mum always had like Ian Rankin and P.D. James and people like that sitting around the house. Or their books, I should say. Um, but uh, that was the first one that I read that was, yeah, kind of literary fiction, adult fiction about what it is to be an adult, what it is to be um, a, a man, but not in a kind of, yeah, not in a toxic masculinity okay, kind of way. Not that I want to cast aspersions on your age, but you read it when you were 13. So it's an older book, shall we say. It is. Uh, and was it, it is. was it new out when you read it or was it already an old book when you read it? Uh, yeah, fair question. I think it was probably fairly new out when I read it. It was would have been uh, mid mid nineties. Yeah, mm. so it was probably around that. Um, he, he's still writing William Boyd. Um, but yeah, his kind of his kind of heyday was was around then. I would have said, um, and that was his first book. Um, and I, I also really like his story of of publishing it because because it was his first book. He wrote. A few chapters of it and sent it off to I can't remember if it was an agent or a publisher I think it might have been a publisher and they said yeah we really like it can we see the rest and he hadn't written the rest so he sat down and I think in like three months wrote the whole book and then it was was picked up so I think a lot of the I mean, kind of frantic to be that lucky exactly exactly 100% <laughs> um but I think a lot of the kind of frantic energy of the book is actually just panic 
um, which is, uh, but it, it ties in really nicely to the to the tone of the book. That's interesting. No, that's an author I've never heard of. And again, this is why I set up this podcast to hear more, stop reading the same thing, basically. So totally. tell us about the uh, second book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. So the second book I chose was, I think, probably my favourite book of, of the last year. Um, and that's uh, Burnt Coat by Sarah Hall. Um, so I came out of the pandemic, as I'm sure lots of people did, as I'm sure you did, Phoebe, being like, I don't ever want to read about the pandemic. Like, that is the last thing. Like, if somebody writes a book about lockdown, I'm so far away from that. It's not true. I don't want to read about somebody sitting in their own filth um, for those months. Goes through a pandemic, although it's not explicitly COVID. Um, and it's about her maintaining her creativity, but also finding love and maintaining those human relationships through it. Um, and I, I think it's just superb. Um, and it completely changed my mind on on wanting to read about the pandemic. I was just like, yeah, actually, if somebody can, can tell me about the human condition through the pandemic, mm. then actually I do want to read that. Um, really, and, I find that really yeah. interesting. So I read a re- review of a book that went viral a couple of months ago, and it was obviously this person had written a book and then written um, like an epilogue. Is, okay. is an epilogue before or an epilogue after? Epilogue after. Is before. Yeah, so written an epilogue which was set in 2020, and someone had read read the book and reviewed it and been like, "I've read the epilogue, but it just seems that they don't even mention COVID." And it's like, "Well, you can't really you can't yeah. be judged based on that. We didn't know it was coming." yeah exactly exactly uh and I, I think it is i mean it's a it's a tricky one right to to know whether to fold it in or like mention it's happened or, or just leave it to one side i think i would um, read i think i would read a book about the pandemic but i wouldn't want the story to be the pandemic it'd have to be something else that just happens to happen yeah. while there's a pandemic i think yeah yeah totally i mean i, I think that's why the sarah hall book is is so good for from my um perspective is that it's it's actually basically about it's basically a love story, um, but set against set against the pandemic, and it's just one of the struggles the character kind of goes through. Um, and and Sarah Hall's one of those writers that I just anything she brings out, I read because um, I think she's she's brilliant. What a great, yeah. What a great compliment. Ah, uh, um, I've got three Sarahs actually. It's one of my daughters is called Sarah, um, but that's not the reason. Um, so Sarah Hall and Sarah Moss and Sarah Waters, I'd, I'll just read anything they write. The, the Holy Trinity of Sarahs. As we the Holy it. Trinity of Sarahs. Um, <laughs> it's sheer coincidence that they're all called Sarah. But I mean, uh, you must know this better than I do as you teach that. But they say there's only what like seven types of story and then everything else is just like background. So it's a love story, but it's set in the pandemic or it's a love story, but it's set in ancient Rome or wherever. Yeah. So maybe yeah. there's something to that. Maybe there is, maybe there is. Um, so but yeah, no. Please tell us about the third book you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Sure. Um, so the third book was, uh, I, I thought I'd go for a kind of crafty book. <laughs> you mm. see what I mean? A book about craft. So this ties back to what you were asking about um, earlier in that the book that I would go to for the kind of nuts and bolts of writing, if you like, is, is John York's Into the Woods. Um, I'm trying to think if I've heard of that one. I think I have done. Because at the moment I've got on my shelf um, into the no, it was on writing by Stephen King. I haven't read it, but it's on the shelf. Every day I'm like, I'm going to read that. 
No, it, it's it's really good uh, as well, actually. Uh, yeah, the Stephen King one I really like. Um, yes, I was going to say I've absolutely derailed you. Back to the back to the no, not at all. No, the the Stephen King one is is really good, but I think the the John York uh, Into the Woods um, is really useful for me. And I'm quite a kind of nuts and bolts writer, you know. I like to I like to know how the story is like working mm-hmm. underneath the surface. Um, so normally after a kind of after a first draft, I'll go into both short stories and novels. I'll go in and see how it how it fits in with like three act structure or five act structure, and just look and see if there are any points of of weakness. So it's not to follow a template; it's to it's like almost like a diagnostic tool kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, and he's really good on that, John York. He's really good at outlining how stories have have worked in the past. Like, so it's not like this is how your story must work, but more these are the patterns that have emerged from from storytelling. Um, and so, no, I, I really. And did you say really you read like it? That. Sorry, so you read it. So you write, and then you read it while looking at what you're writing. Because I always wonder with these books, is it better to read it and then write, or is it better to write and then read that book to, like you said, as a diagnostic tool? Or if you read it, will you subconsciously, well, hopefully in theory, subconsciously take it on? Yeah. Uh, so for me, I, 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 I'm sure there's not like a, a kind of correct answer to that. But for, for me, um, I like to write the as much as possible, write like the full draft, and then go back and try and impose the structure on it to see whether because there's always like a, to a certain extent an organic mm. structure um that's emerged and, and at least then you've got a bit of fluidity to that um but to use it yeah like you say as a diagnostic tool to go back and look and see if it does meet these points if it does have an ending if it, if it does have a climax um and then kind of adjust accordingly um so the, all the index cards that are kind of up on my wall are all post first draft when I sat down and, and mm. said right what what actually happens when and, and is it the right is it the right sequence I mean um, and maybe we should have covered this off at the beginning but are you a planner are you one of those people that you have like a spreadsheet with like multiple sheets and it's all color-coded and you know exactly what's going to happen at any given moment or are you right and see what happens um I would I would say I'm a bit of both but I would I would say probably planner really um mm. I, it's very rare that I'll sit down with absolutely no sense of of where I want the chapter to go or where I want the story to go. Mm. Um, I, I I don't have the kind of uh, what's the word confidence <laughs> to do that. I, I need to have some kind of sense of direction. And and certainly at the point of like editing, I'm I'm like a ridiculous planner. Like I will I will analyze it down to down to a single sentence to to make sure that I've got the right structure in place for, for the story. Yeah, that, I mean, I'm much more of a broad brush approach, but yep, I like I like the strategy. I think there's, like I said, there's no right answer. Everyone has their own their own approach. Totally, yeah, and I don't think it even works if if you are a, a, a or if you're not um, a planner to for somebody to come and say, oh well, you need to, to do this spreadsheet. It's not going to help you because. You know, if, if you're not kind of motivated to do a spreadsheet. Yeah. I also think I'm a bit like like we were saying earlier, when we were younger, word processing wasn't a thing. So I've got nothing, nothing against spreadsheets, 
but I will very much have like a wall and then like like things stuck on the wall, like very, very retro. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> the, the whole wall yeah. um, to, to the side of me is, is just index cards, really. Yeah, that, yeah. So you can't see my wall, but same. Uh, so <laughs> moving on to the fourth book you've chosen, please tell us what you've chosen and why you've chosen it. Um, so I thought I'd go a wee bit um, kind of to the side for this one. And um, it's a Murakami book. Um, oh, but I it's love not... him. But he's a, yeah, bit, I mean, he's a bit hit and miss sometimes. He's a bit hit and miss. I, I, love, I love his fiction, but I've actually gone for his memoir, which is called What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. Um, I don't know if I've actually listened that. to that on audiobook. And that was only because I... Um, I trained for a marathon a while back and I was like, I wonder if anyone's written a book about this that isn't um yeah, more like a memoir than actual like this is how you run with good technique. And that's how I came across it. So I have actually read it and yeah, I do really like him. Yeah, no, so I I love his I love his fiction, but that yeah, that kind of connection that he makes between the uh the routine um and the the kind of practice of of running and the the practice of writing I I really like I really like what he's saying um but I also kind of over the past probably only the last kind of maybe five years of running's become just like this huge part of my creative day like I can't I find it very difficult um not to incorporate running or uh, like running quite often is my reward for having written um, I mean, yeah, the better people listen to us thinking running is not a reward, but I, I understand <laughs> you completely. And when you run, and I ask this to quite a lot of people, when you run, are you thinking with like no music or do you have music or podcasts? Because I run with podcasts and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I should probably turn it off, engage my brain and yeah. think a bit more about the planning. Yeah, but uh, yes. Uh, so the answer is that I, I do. Yeah, I listen to podcasts. Um, as I as I run, or or sometimes audiobooks, but more often podcasts, and um, but I still do think about uh, my writing and what I've written that morning, and and what I'm going to go on and do that afternoon, and uh, my teaching and all those things. But I think I just think about them slightly less, kind of directly. So quite mm-hmm. often I'll kind of catch myself and realise that I've not listened to the podcast. I normally listen to like football podcasts and stuff, and I quite often catch myself and realise that I've not been listening to the podcast but because it's just you know yeah I know podcast, what you mean don't you, care. you suddenly say something you're like oh my god I haven't been paying attention yeah, yeah. no I know but, exactly. I've, but I've walked I've worked out the entire plot for my novel so you know that's a win yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so yeah I kind I do listen to podcasts but I, I do it very much I keep them very much kind of in the background it's like having I, I, I think of it like having um ambient noise in a cafe kind of thing ah, okay yeah I see that I see that Right, so moving on to the final book you've chosen. Yeah, so the final book I chose is um, uh, The Gate of Angels by Penelope Fitzgerald. I don't know if you've come across that. No, I haven't come across Um, the book or the author. uh, So, well, Penelope Fitzgerald in general is is a great author. Um, Very, very old um, author, uh, well, deceased author, but... um, so she wrote The Bookshop, which was then made into a film. I can't remember who was in the film. Um, but The Gate of Angels is, is historical fiction uh, set in kind of 1912-ish in Cambridge. Um, and 
when I was writing Man at Sea, which is historical fiction set in the 1940s and then the 1960s, I, I was got really interested in how historical fiction works. And um, Penelope Fitzgerald is, is great at it because she puts she gets lots of period details in, but n- it never feels like she's like just filling a paragraph with detail. The, mm. Yeah, detail with how the world works. They're so brilliantly placed and phrased. Um, that you never kind of get the feeling that she's kind of showing you her research, right? It's it's always yeah. just just there and it unfolds. Um, so she's absolutely what I aspire to in terms of of producing that uh, historical detail running through uh, the piece. Um, and it's a really nice short novel. I really like short novels as well, and it's for me just pitch perfect in in how it's how it's structured. It starts with like a bicycle accident and then it's these two... Bicycle accident. You can't beat a bicycle accident. You no, know, that just and... actually made me think of... Um, so my, one of my favourite things to watch on TV is The West Wing. I don't know if you remember it oh, from like the 90s. And that starts with a bicycle accident. There you go. Uh, yeah, no, love The West Wing. Um, and I've actually got a friend who who runs whilst listening to... There's a West Wing podcast where they do um, episode by episode. Um <gasps> Well, you just—you've yeah. uh, just changed my year. You've made my day. I'm going to, have to immediately <laughs> listen to this. Yeah, they talk about every episode one at a time. Oh, um, amazing. But yeah, so I, I think uh, it, it starts with the bicycle accident, the Fitzgerald novel, and then it's—it's it's kind of about these two characters. Uh, I think they're called Fred and Daisy, and it's about them then working their way back to each other. So they—they they meet in this bicycle accident, and then through a series of kind okay. of serendipitous events they work their way back to each other um and it's just it's beautifully done beautifully done and there's not a word out of place in in my view excellent sounds great so they're the five books you've chosen so now we've made it to the final stage which is the five quick fire questions so question number one fiction or non-fiction uh fiction definitely i mean obviously obviously of course 100 percent Question number two, how often do you finish a book? Yeah, I, I heard you asking this on one of your other uh, podcasts yeah. and I was like, ooh, how truthful do I be with this? Um, <laughs> for me, I, so I used to be, I used to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll finish it. I'll make sure I finish whatever I'm reading. But now, to be honest, if it's not grabbed me by about 50 pages in, I will set it to the side because um, there's so many as I'm sure you've got a huge to be read pile, you know. There's, oh, huge. Like, yeah, I've got a huge to be read pile. There's lots of books further down that to be read pile that I'm excited to read. So why, if I'm not enjoying something, why would I? Um, I yeah, agree. I, I mean, sometimes I'm a bit like, not sad is probably a strong word, but the realisation that there's more books in the world than I'll ever have time to read. Totally. It's quite distressing. Totally. So, and uh, there's no point in in persevering if it's does if it's not working yeah I'm, i've recently come around to that way of thinking as well so question number three what's your favorite place to read um so i think probably although this is a little bit boring and in, in my living room we've got like a corner sofa and i think sitting in that corner sofa making a little nest and having the kids running about doing whatever they're doing but not crucially not asking me to do anything yeah not be like daddy um, watch me watch me fall it, over <laughs> exactly look at this look at this um so as long as they're not doing that and they're happy kind of entertaining themselves, then that's my favourite place to read. Yeah, good answer. Question number four, what's your favourite independent bookshop? 
Uh, this one's quite easy. Um, so up here in Stirling, there's a little independent bookshop called The Book Nook, um, which is where I held the launch for Man at Sea last Friday. And uh, they do secondhand books and, and new books, and they do uh, excellent coffee and cake as well. Um, it's run by Jasmine and Leanne, and it's a lovely place. And it's also my seven-year-old's favourite place in the world as well. Oh, so. great parenting there, Liam. Great parenting. Exactly. And I always ask this to people that tell me about their launch parties. Did you have a cake in the shape mm. of the book cover? No, I'm afraid I did not. We had we had Prosecco, um, but no, we did not have a cake. I, do you know what? I don't think I'm three books in and I don't think I've ever had a cake, which is very depressing, actually. Well, for book four, I'd like a cake in the shape of the book cover, please. So would I. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if anyone's listening. And yeah. the final question of the whole podcast, what book are you most looking forward to reading next? Hmm. I think the book I am most looking forward to reading next is called Skin Grows Over. And it's uh, by a small indie press. Um, and it's by an author called Lucy Allen, who used to be, who was a student with us at Stirling University. Um, and then... Uh, went off and, and did other things um but yeah her her debut novel is coming out next month or actually I suppose it's this month now it's July yeah, yeah. It and it's July. called uh, I know time passes um <laughs> and it's called Skin Grows Over and it's kind of Scottish gothic um and I'm really looking forward she was always a, a fantastic writer and I'm really looking forward to reading what her debut novel um, I'm going to get this book flicked to the back and see if your name's in the acknowledgements uh no uh, that would be very embarrassing if it's if it's not no but she's she's a fantastic a fantastic writer mm. so I'm sure I'm sure it will do really well well that's so exciting thank you so much for being on the show Liam and if people have enjoyed hearing from you they can buy your book Man at Sea which is out now and if they want to follow you on social media or look at your website where can they go so I, I have a website yep which is liammurraybell.com and then um, my twitter handle is exactly the same at liammurraybell um and yeah please please do and let me know what you think of man at sea and as ever i'll put links to both of those down in the show notes and also i'll put a link to this lovely uh debut book of uh liam's student which i'm sure will be lovely that would be great great right thank you very much liam thank you Phoebe.